Hey everyone and welcome to episode 100, that's 100 of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. 100 we got there people, might have taken over two years, might have taken you know me stopping for six months in between, might have taken me re-dislocating my shoulder, taking my labrum again, which was the whole reason this podcast started in the first place, but we have got there. 105 wrestlers later... Over a quarter of a million downloads, we are here at episode 100. And I said to you all that I got a very special guest for 100, and I feel like I have not disappointed. But first of all, I just want to say big thanks to everyone who's listened to the podcast, anyone who's been here since day one, anyone who's joined uh, in the last couple of weeks during this whole pandemic, and anyone who's joining for the first time today, because I'm no, no doubt, I haven't, I'm under no illusion that I'm probably going to get a lot of first time listeners to the podcast this week. So yeah, big thanks for everyone for listening. Of course, if you do enjoy the podcast, it does come to you free of charge every Wednesday, but today's a Monday, and it's a Monday because it is a long Bangalore Monday, and you know, I felt like dropping it early. So yeah, this one comes on Monday, but it does usually come to you every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcast from. So please the biggest thing you can do for me if you enjoy the podcast is rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend, you know, tweet it out. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. I'm on Instagram, so maybe drop it in your stories and tag me in that. I'm on Instagram at, at Flash Morgan Webster. Oh, if you want to drop me a little email, you know, when this is all over as well, I'm still doing seminars, still doing the indies too. All those emails come at flash at live.co.uk. So yeah. If you enjoy this week's podcast, if you've been a big fan for a long time, if you've only just got into it in the last couple of weeks, any of the above, then please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, and let me know how much you're enjoying it because you go, you tweet it out, you do all this stuff, and it just encourages more people to get on board and get along. So yeah, big thanks to everyone who's been on this journey or has just started this journey with me. Episode 100, pretty big, but not as big as this week's guest. So yeah, this week's guest who's joining me for the gathering is none other than 11-time world champion and WWE Hall of Famer Edge. In his first interview since his WrestleMania return, I'm sitting down with Edge, and it's an absolute cracking podcast. I kept this one quite close to my chest. I think maybe like a few people knew about it, Mandrews and a few others, but not many people knew about it, because I want to kind of get this down, secure it, make sure it's done, and get it as fast as possible. So yeah, this week I sit down with Edge, and it's a, it's a real nice chat. We... Uh, we talk about a full retrospect of his career. We talk about, you know, starting early days. Talk about, as always, earliest memory of wrestling, getting into it. We do, of course, touch on uh, the TLC matches and how much they changed the game. We uh, we talk about, you know, today's climate and if uh, if he was picked up from the active and if he was dropped dramatically right in today, what, how would he try to stand out in today's climate? Because, you know, it's a very different place to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. So we ask that question, and of course then we do get to uh, his emotional retirement and triumphant return and everything that led up to the very, very different WrestleMania to what he planned uh, and what he thought he was going to get. But again, an absolute cracking podcast. And I want to say this as well, that sometimes these podcasts, and we did talk about it a little bit afterwards, sometimes um, when you don't have a huge history with someone. Some of these times these podcasts can be a little difficult to do, but luckily for me, I've met uh, Edge in the past. We've exchanged uh, a few messages as well and chits and chats over uh, over Twitter. 
uh, through DMs and stuff like that. And uh, luckily for me, we had some great chemistry when we sat down. I honestly think this is one of my favourite podcasts. Um, I think that really does sum it all up, really. I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone's staying inside as well. Again, these podcasts are great for when you're, uh, you're going on your 20, 30 hour walk or whatever around your block, uh, down the road, back up or whatever, keeping yourself sane while we are on lockdown. These are great as well for anyone who is in the house on their own because I know that there is a lot of people who uh, who are in the house on their own. And sometimes, you know, putting a podcast on in the background, especially when it's a podcast like this one where you sit and have a conversation with somebody, then uh, this really can help people. So again, if you're new to the podcast and you are enjoying it and you do enjoy it, please subscribe, review. Um, if you are an avid listener, then again, thank you very much for staying with me. And I hope that uh, you enjoy this podcast as much as I did, because I really did. So yeah, all's left to say really is sit back, relax and enjoy what is a wonderful gathering. I love that word gathering with my wrestling friend, Edge. <laughs> is it cold there at the moment? It, you know, just in the mornings, uh, Celsius wise, it's probably like 10. Okay. Uh, you know, in, in like seven to ten Celsius kind of thing, and then it warms up. Once we've, the sun, uh, we've got some really nice weather at the moment, but of course they've locked us down. You can't enjoy it. Yeah, that's yeah, awful. Yeah, I'm 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 lucky that we 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 kind of built a pandemic house without realizing it. Yeah, I was showing uh, I was showing the girlfriend uh, your house from the documentary, and she was just saying that like that would be her dream with all that land in the back and all the forestry around you guys. That'd be it, her absolute dream. It, it's weird, like th- this. It didn't really affect our way of life because I I already social distanced as as it was anyway. Not to make light of it, but like when I'm home, I I I don't need to go anywhere, you know. So. The only time I really feel it or see it is like, okay, you go to the grocery store and you got to put on a mask and you got to, it's like, okay, now it, it, the reality sets in. Yeah, especially with like, you've got the ring there now and you've got the home gym as well. So like, literally you don't need to go anywhere apart from shopping. No, no, truly. And, and we have a generator and we got a freezer full of food and, you know, it just, you know, Beth would always question it. Like, why do we have a generator? Why do you want a, a gym in the house? Well, so I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> You're the smartest man in the world right now. <laughs> I mean, because that that was I, I didn't know this was going to happen, but you know, it was it was for that aspect of like, right, we go when we have to go somewhere, we have it, you know. But otherwise, let's just stay at home. I'm lucky that uh, a gym near me just before, like they did the the full lockdown over here and closed gyms. Like WWE messaged us and said. We don't want you going to public gyms. So I was luckily that a gym near me were able to kind of like lend me some stuff for the like the cost nice. of my membership, which was great. But I did want to build a home gym when we first uh, moved here. And the girlfriend's like the girlfriend's an artist. So the the big garage was the it was the choice was she wanted she wanted a, a studio, studio. And I wanted a gym. And of course we compromised and she got a studio. So- <laughs> We compromised, and she got a studio. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. Well done. <laughs> yeah, you know, though, if you got a couple things, at least um, you you can still at least maintain. You know, you might not make gains, you might not get more lean, but 
as long as you don't go off the rails diet wise, which is the tendency, right? Cause it's like, okay, well now I'm home and there's nothing to do. So I'll just eat and watch Netflix. Yeah. But if you can, if you can stay away from that, you can actually dial in the, the diet tighter. And I think with burpees and planks and you can get it done. Yeah, definitely. And like, I'm lucky in the sense of like, I grabbed some other stuff. So maybe I've got like about 160 pounds of weight or whatever in the house and then a few kettlebells. So yeah, oh, you're fine. Yeah, yeah be- you can get it done. You can get it done. Just work everything every day. And and like I said, burpees and chin-ups are, are people's friends right now as much as they suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, for anyone who's like listening at home, of course, this uh, – uh, my guest this week, of course, is Hall of Famer, left time world champion, Edge. That's me. That yeah. is me. Absolutely, um, absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's still crazy to me when people like run down that stat. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer. I I kind of forget that because I, you know, I never wear my ring because I, I don't want to lose it. And I'm afraid I would like, I'm that guy that would take it off to work out somewhere and go, wait, where is it? You know, just because, you know, uh, or, or if, you know, luckily I have a home gym. So if I said it there, at least it'd be there, but there's always something, right. There's always like the girls are, or need this or that, or, or Beth's, you know, saying, Hey, you know, and, and, you know, when the Glamazon yells, you, you go, what, what, what what is it? What do we got to do? And you forget where you set your hall of fame ring. So (laughs) I just, I have this little plaster hand that is, is doing the, the Ronnie James deal, the rock and roll sign. And I have the ring on that. So that's, that's where it resides for me, but I forget, I forget I'm in the hall of fame sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's yes, absolutely metal. Um, how I usually like to start these then, uh, add is, uh, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you remember, like even remember watching wrestling for the first time or like when you fell in love with wrestling? Okay. And that's, I'm glad you spaced it that way because I saw it once. The first time I saw it was Pacific Northwest Wrestling and Don Owens promotion out in Portland. And it was in the midst of the um, Roddy Piper was out there and uh, Buddy Rose and him were having their issue. And I just remember this guy wearing yellow and green trunks and like that old trunk material where they, they looked like nylon almost <laughs> you know this is before spandex and i just remember him talking and being riveted so my first actual memory of wrestling was a roddy piper promo and i didn't know what was happening i didn't know what exactly i was watching but i couldn't stop watching it and it blasted into my brain pan and i that i just went whoa i i don't but I was, I was really young, so I didn't pay attention to what time it was or what day it was or anything like that. So it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't something like on my calendar that I had to do. You know what I mean? It was just, I, I distinctly remember it. I remember it blowing my mind, but it wasn't until probably two years later and I saw Hulk Hogan and I just went, what, what is this? Like this guy is you know, super intense and he's a superhero and he's saying all of these things that are, that are equating to my, you know, eight year old, nine year old brain, like, okay, train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Cause every kid at some point has probably been bullied. Well, I'm no different. 
So now I see this guy telling me things I can do to maybe stop that cycle. All bets were off then, you know, and then it became Sylvester Stallone and Hulk Hogan were my, my, like, that was it. Rocky Balboa and Rambo and, and Hulk Hogan, like, that that was my childhood into teenagehood uh, it was sorted from that point on um then you you throw in you know the secondary ca- characters and apollo creed and clubber lang and then you start oh there's roddy piper again what the heck he was the guy that you know and macho man and and that was just it i was down the massive black hole of of wrestling and it just consumed me that was it it was done from that i was like right i'm gonna be a wrestler so from like you being like the biggest Hulk Hogan fan and by the time you kind of become a mainstay in WWE, like he'd already kind of transitioned out. So when you finally got to do that run and he came back to the company and not only did you get to kind of cross paths with him finally, but you also got to do a tag title run with him. That must mean absolutely mental. Insanity, man. Because, you know, so you have these guys that you looked up to and, and they were your heroes. You never assume that you'll be peers, you never assume that you'll be in the same place at the same time or that they'll even still be performing. So in my mind, coming into the business at that point, you know, I'm thinking, okay, there's Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon having a ladder match. There's Bret Hart working Owen Hart. Like that's when I'm training is at WrestleMania 10, right? Right. Or I've trained, I've trained by that point and I'm now starting to have matches by that point. So I'm like, okay, this is possible. So in high school, I dreamed about the match that I would have with Owen Hart. Okay, so you fast forward seven years later, I'm having that match with Owen Hart. Mm -hmm. So I've gone from art class drawing, you know, carving Bret Hart into my Prisma Color pencil crayon set to, okay, now it's, it's feasible. Bret Hart is now telling Jim Ross about this kid up in Canada, that kid being me. Now I'm in the ring wrestling Owen Hart and all of those things that I dreamed up to try with Owen, I can now run by him. And he's like, oh, that sounds great. Let's do it. You know, there goes there goes my brain. You know, uh, it, it, it just so many things have happened to me throughout my career that I just never assumed could be the case. You fast forward a few years and, and Paul Heyman, you know, texted me and, or called me because there wasn't really texting. then. he goes, what do you think about teaming with Hulk Hogan? Sold, done. You know, Paul at that point was head of SmackDown and we, we had a talk and, and his, his words to me were, I want you to be my sting. And I went, that's a good place to be. Got <laughs> it. So now I'm wrestling Eddie Guerrero. Now I'm wrestling, you know, Kurt Angle and having all of those matches. Now I'm teaming with Rey Mysterio and we're having that series of matches and the SmackDown six. And now it's okay. You're going to go into a deal with Jericho, but we'll peel it off into you teaming with Hogan. Are you kidding me? I get to team with Hulk Hogan, man. Like truly one of my childhood heroes. And now I'm standing in a ring in Boston. He's using real American for the first time in a long time. I'm bouncing my foot and singing along and smiling like that 10 year old kid. And to win the tag team titles with him, he's never won the tag titles before. So that's happening. We're winning the tag titles together. It's taped on a Tuesday and I get a call from Hulk Hogan on Wednesday. Hey man, come on over to the house. Let's watch the match on July 4th. So on July 4th, 
July 1st is bigger than me. I'm Canadian, right? That's Canada Day. But it's still pretty cool for Hulk Hogan to call you on, on the 4th of July to go watch you and him win the tag team titles at his house. You know, if, if you had told 10-year-old Adam that, <laughs> like, you could have just stopped it all right there and went, okay, I'm good. I'm it's good. Like, it literally is just like you, okay, he's like you sitting down with you and going, okay, write the wildest Wednesday you could ever have. And you're like, well, I'm the tag team champions with Hulk Hogan. And he's inviting me around for a barbecue. <laughs> it, it, it truly, it's like, it's one of those things that as a kid, you, you truly have a dream about. Like that is something that you go to bed and you have this wicked dream. It's just this amazing kick-ass, if all your dreams could come true dream. And, and then it like that happens. And here's, here's the thing, man, I've had so many instances of that. And I just look back on it now with, with the awareness that I have now being 46 and having kids now and having really truly lived some life to look back and be able to, to, to have that, to be able to say, I wrestled Ric Flair for the WWE championship in a TLC match, his first ever ladder match in Raleigh, North Carolina with a future Charlotte sitting in the front row, booing her head off at me. Like again, that's just stuff that you, you might imagine in a dream, but now it's actually happening. And, and then I fast forward again to coming back at the Royal rumble, man, I, I, I can't, you couldn't, you couldn't write some of this stuff. It just happens. And I've been lucky enough that for whatever reason, I've been at the center of some of these moments that I, I know I'll look back on once everything's kind of in the rear view and go, wow, that all happened. I am a lucky dude. You kind of I, like be like, I'm again, it's so hard sometimes in this business to kind of like to enjoy the moment. Cause again, when you, you're kind of trying to climb that ladder as well, you're, yeah. you're kind of being told like be professional and stuff like that. So you're trying not to get too excited about stuff and stuff can change. But also on top of it all as well, it's like you're always fixated on the next thing. Okay, what's next? What's next? So sometimes yeah. it's really, it is really hard to kind of sit back and just, okay, enjoy that. You know, I know it's the, you're only as good as your last match. And to an extent, that's true. But you really do have to stop and savor those moments because this is, this is the best gig in the world, man. Like, especially if this is all you ever wanted to do, my gosh, you, you have to you have to savor all of the moments you have to let them, let them soak in. So that way it's not just, you know, 20 years down the road, it it is special stuff and it does mean something. So you're allowed to enjoy those things. I think everyone should enjoy those things. I made a point at a, at a certain time in my career, I had that, that epiphany and I went, right. Every time I go up for WrestleMania, I'm going to soak this in. I'm, I'm going to savor this crowd. I am going to drink all of this in and I'm, I'm going to have this memory for life. I'm not going to look past it. I, I'm not going to just go, ah, oh, well, it's no big deal. No, you know what? It is a big deal. Cause this is all I ever wanted to do. And, and I still love it. So I'm going to savor every aspect of this. And I'm really glad I did all of that being said, when I was forced to retire and it wasn't on my terms, I was thankful that I had started to savor it. But um, if, if anything, it, it gave me more, uh, more of an awareness coming back, just how, 
having it kind of taken away for nine years, man, if, if I didn't appreciate it before, the appreciation level is, is at a different level now because I will never, ever forget my feeling leading up to the Rumble, the day of the Rumble, how I felt when I came out for the Rumble. Nobody can ever take that away. I, I will hold that near and dear to my heart, you know, to my deathbed. And man, what y- you got to enjoy those moments because it, it's so rare that anybody gets to live their dreams, gets to do what they wanted to do from the time they were a little kid. I mean, think how, how sure there's hard work put in. Sure. There's, there's serendipity that goes into it. Uh, all of those things, but we're so lucky to, to be the rare percentage of folks that wanted to do something, went after it and is actually doing it. That is massive, man. I, I, all so many of my friends, you know, just slugging away, doing their thing and sure they're happy with life, but there's always that one thing. It's like, ah, you know, I wonder if, if I had, if I had just reached and gone for that, what would have happened? Man, if we're in this and this is all we ever want to do, we don't have to think that. And that's that man. That's just a huge gift. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I seriously, I couldn't put any better. And you talk about like saying that, the last mate, the last couple of manias, you kind of really soaking that in with your earlier manias. Then, like for example, like the TLC stuff, did you did you kind of overlook that a little bit? Because I'd be lying if I said that like those matches definitely kind of influenced the likes of me and Mark Andrews, the way we team and stuff like that. So, did you guys really know that you changed the game when you did those TLC? I know that sounds really stupid because you probably <laughs> didn't, but did like was it one of the things you kind of overlooked? To to an extent, I think we understood we were doing something, though. I think we all had an understanding that we were being given a blank canvas and all of these tools. So we were all massively influenced by Sean and Razor's ladder match. And so by the time you get to No Mercy and it's, you know, ENC versus the Hardys, we knew almost like we were sneaking this in. Like, wait. They've actually okayed the four of us in a ladder match. Do they have any idea what they've just okayed? Like, could, because we knew what we were going to try. And, but I don't think we fully grasped it. And, and I know the moment where, I, where it started to sink in. Oh man, we're creating something here. Was when Christian, when Jay ran up the ladder and drop kicked Jeff in the corner. That was the moment when I, when I felt this groundswell starting. And like kind of this slow wave building. And, I, and I, it's like if you're surfing and you, you see it coming and you're like, okay, I got to drop into this wave. That's that moment crystallized for me. We're about to catch a massive wave here. Now, by the time you get through, you know, SummerSlam and it, or the, the triple ladder match at WrestleMania, then SummerSlam, then the following year, I think we all understood that we were riding what might be a tsunami now at this point. And barely holding on. <laughs> we, we are about to wipe out. And if we wipe out, it could have disastrous results. I, I think with hindsight, we've all kind of understood the, 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 you know, the, the weight and the gravity of what we were all able to accomplish. And the fact that we were all, for the most part, just come out of it. Because just the, the, the margin for error was so minuscule. And, and somehow we pulled it off and I, I don't know, man. Like, did I think it would turn into its own pay-per-view? Did I think it would be on? No, 
no. So maybe we did look past it to an extent. Um, because by the time you get to the third and fourth one, it's like, okay, okay, we got another one of these. How do, how do we, what do we do this time? <laughs> and it becomes like back to the drawing board as opposed to, hold on a second. They're asking us to go back to the drawing board because we're, we're doing something here. Um, and, and definitely when I was younger, the, the first WrestleMania in insanity, and then it becomes, okay, now we got to top each other ourselves. We're competing against ourselves. Okay. So it becomes that, you know, and, and, and fast forward to the Toronto one with Booker that, that was special because 12 years earlier I was in the crowd for Hogan and warrior and then, you know, injuries. So I was out for two WrestleManias and, and that I think made me realize how important it all was to me because now I'm 29 years old with a double fusion in my neck going, wait, hold on a second. How did, how did this happen? And missing it so much and watching it at home and hating the feeling. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I think when I did come back, I, I had a maybe more of an appreciation again for what I'd missed those two years. Talk about like, kind of like that tsunami thing. We're catching it. We've got some things like that. Like even whether it's those matches or some other match, like, is there like, this is a two part question, I guess. Like, is there a match where you started thinking, Oh, I'm getting this. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting quite good at this. I'm kind of getting this wrestling. And also, was there a match? Because there definitely has been many of these matches for me where you're like, yeah, I'm, pu- I'm getting pretty good at this wrestling. And then you step in the ring with someone and you realize that you are nowhere near their level and they are just absolute masterminds and you have a <laughs> You know, um, I, I think there was a, it, it's even more than a two-part question because I'd, I felt that way as a tag team. I felt like where, where Jay and I were kind of like, okay, we got a chemistry. We got, we were raised together. We know this, like we know this, like the back of our hand. And there was a point where we were just, man, we just felt like this, this finely tuned machine, you know, where like I reached out that hand, the tag was right there. We were on the same page. We just, we'd done it so much that we just both knew we were, we were in synchronicity. We were, there's there's no way to get it except through reps and like with us lifelong friendship and it was just so fun you know but then suddenly singles and and that was a difficult transition because everything was geared toward okay we're a heel tag team we bump we feed we get the heat we're a pack of wolves we are just gonna you know chew just you know and and when you're working guys like The Undertaker and Rock, that's what you have to do. So flip to being a singles baby face now. So now everything that I've been doing is completely flipped. That was a massive transition. And right when I felt like, right, okay, ENC, we're, I mean, we can't, we can't do it much better than this, I don't think. And, and then to suddenly go, okay, well, you, you might have been, uh, feeling that there, but now you're a babyface, you know, singles wrestler, and everything in that mindset has to change. And and that was a that was a, a harsh reality pretty quickly. I went, oh man, back to the drawing board. I gotta I gotta figure this out again. And it it was really I I started feeling my groove when when Kurt and I started going, you know, and really you know we he was a guy that right from jump I was like. 
that our chemistry is just there, man. We, the minute we touched, I just knew we could create some special stuff, which is mind blowing because I think at that point, Kurt had been wrestling maybe four years, maybe five. He's a freak. <laughs> he's a, he's an absolute freak. He really, really is. I've never seen a faster study to pro wrestling than him. And I'll tell you who the second fastest was, was Jay was Christian. Um, and, and they're both just special. They, they, they really are, you know? Um, and, and then throughout the years, you just get in there with certain people and they bring different things to the table. Like Jeff Hardy brings this element that nobody else I've ever worked brings. There's just a special something about that guy. Nobody can put their finger on it. It just is. Uh, you get in there with Undertaker, man, and you've now entered a different realm. It just feels different. Um, and, and I think that's what I've learned over the years is just realizing when you get in there with somebody, their special thing that they bring. And you don't fully know it until you're in there. You know, you can watch it, you can see it. Okay, yeah, cool. Oh, great match, man. This is, but when you're in there with the person and, and you got mitts on them now, now you can really tell like, okay, this person has an indefinable thing that you can't put a finger on and they, they are the ones that bring that to the table. That is, that is specifically theirs. And people can try and, and mimic it, whatever, but it's not going to be the same. And, uh, so I think that's what I've taken away over the years. You know, it's, it's the explosiveness of Eddie Guerrero. It's that, that aura that comes with Undertaker. It's that indefinable it that Jeff Hardy has. It's that intensity that, that Kurt Angle brings. Everybody, if those names are all very special talents and they all bring something entirely different to the table. When you, uh, when you got your first title run, which was quite short... Like yeah. how, how did, how did that even come about? Cause like I, again, at this point I was in, I was all in on wrestling. I remember, I remember like it was Elimination Chamber and my mates who's again now in, in, in wrestling as well. I used to like record the pay-per-views and then I would bring them in for him then for him to watch. And yeah, yeah. I remember him being like, oh, did Cena leave, did Cena leave the, the chamber, the, the champion? Cause he was like, at this point we're starting to get a bit smarter to it. And I remember being so smug cause he unlooked it and I was like, yeah, man, he did. And I passed him the pin. <laughs> Uh, Which, hey, you, you weren't lying. <laughs> I, was like, we, I was like, we are going to have a fun conversation tomorrow. I can remember thinking that. That was my first moment. I was like, yep, I'm a smart. That's what I thought to myself. There we go. <laughs> like, how did that come about? And, and uh, like, how were, those, how were those matches with Cena? So the, the, the way that came about is, you know, I've had this money in the bank now for nine months or whatever it was. Were you the first person to win the money in the bank too? Yes. Yeah, at WrestleMania 21. And um, I remember Brian Gewertz pitching me on the idea for the Money in the Bank ladder match. And I actually said no. And he went, but but wait, no, it's like this thing. And you get the contract. But by that point, I was just so burned out on doing ladder matches at WrestleMania. I didn't want to be pigeonholed as, oh, okay, here comes WrestleMania. We got to get a bunch of guys on the show. Let's put them in a ladder match. Oh, yeah, you got to put Edge in there. I didn't want to get pigeonholed as that. And that, so I was like, right, don't put me in it. Don't put me on the show. I'll get back there on my own terms next year. That's how strongly I felt. And he was like, no, really, Adam, you, you gotta please see this through. And I was like, uh, you know, and, and he talked me into it. Did you not know you were winning the match? 
Not initially, no, no. Um, but that that didn't fully matter to me, honestly. Even when he told me, I was like, okay, great, but wh- I still don't know wanna, if I want to do this. Like, I didn't fully grasp the concept either. So one, once it was all, like, broken down for me, and, and you know, Michael Hayes and, and Gortz both kind of, you know, explained the whole deal, and I was like, okay, well, this this could be a cool concept, but even at that point, you don't know. It still sounds a little weird. Like, you carry a contract around with you? Uh, what? Like, it, what do I just carry a clipboard around with me? That seems really lame, you know? So then it became, no, we're going to do a Halliburton briefcase, and it's going to, like, okay, it's growing on me. So by the time that we did the match, and I have this briefcase now, and I carried that thing everywhere. I brought it on planes with me. I started using it as my carry-on. I'd, I'd put my my pens, my books, my my journals. I'd put my gear. <laughs> I, put, I used it. I was like, right, I got to carry this thing around. I'm using it at least. So nine months, fast forward, and I don't think anyone, what my concern was, I think was was starting to ring true. Nobody knew what to do with it. And I thought, okay, well, I'm supposed to be this dastardly heel. I can't just challenge John Cena to a straight up match. There's nothing dastardly about that. If we are truly able to cash this thing in at any moment as dastardly rated our superstar edge, why wouldn't I wait until someone's really worn down to cash it in? Now, the week before Elimination Chamber, I went to Vince and I, I explained that to him, thinking that, right, okay, at some point I'll try to cash it in, but the baby face will still come out victorious, rah, 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 right? Get there the next week and they, they went, there's some plans. And then they detailed everything and I went, oh, gosh, I, I didn't. I wasn't pitching to win the world title, but <laughs> here, here we go. And that being said, I truly think it was right. We'll do this. It gets the money in the bank out of the way. We'll get a quick rain for him. We'll get it back to Cena. Now, my mindset was, no, I'm going to change everything. You, you can say it's just going to be this, but I want to make sure that I am, my feet are now firmly planted in the main event. And that's what I tried to do with it. So they still went with their plans and I went, okay, right. Mick Foley. Yes. Okay. Mick is my guy. Mick can help me cement this. And, and he did. And, and we went out there at WrestleMania 22. And I think if there were ever any doubts as to, to, to staying in the main event, it was that match at WrestleMania 22 where it was like, okay, well now we got a new player and, and it can't be denied. I, I can't I can't argue that any way, shape, or form. Again, uh, same friend. We watched WrestleMania at his brother's house, and that image of you shaking after you'd go after you'd won the match and going through the table. Like I can remember, like we'd seen ECW, we'd seen stuff like that, but never do we think we'd see something like that at WWE. So I can remember it again, changing it, and us thinking at this point, like this is the main event right here. Well, it's funny, like. What WWE is so good at is you won't see something like that. It'll be very rare that you see something like that. So it stands out more when you see it every week. It's it's the same with any match. It's the same with any high spot. When you see a super kick 82 times in a match, it kind of loses its, its luster. And if you see somebody, you know, bloody and barbed wire and all of these things, you know, every show, it's not as special anymore. 
So when it can happen and when it can happen at WrestleMania, well, now it lives forever. And, and I've preached that to young talents that ask me, I'm like, if you're going to do something that's extremely dangerous or extremely, whatever it is, make sure it's going to mean something, make sure that it's a moment and it's a moment that will live on. Because if you try and do it weekly, there's no sustainability in that. And I can speak from experience because I got a triple fusion in my neck and I tried. (laughs) It's much better to save those things. And I even had an understanding of that fairly early on, as much risks as we still took. I made sure that that spirit of Jeff Hardy, once I knew we could do it because we did it on a raw and it was like, "Eh." but I was like, okay, we got that one under our belt. We got this one at Mania. It's going to live forever. And the same mindset with Mick flaming table, spear through a flaming table, thumbtacks jammed on my back. Yeah, that's WrestleMania. That's not going to be raw from, you know, Peoria. Um, You, you talk about that. And um, we, again, that the spear, the spear from, from TLC is, is the one, isn't it? It's the one that everyone recalls. But I, again, I said, I think I put on a, a comment recently on one of your posts and said, like, we were in the ring at takeover Blackpool and we all looked up, at the belts and I just turned to everyone and was like imagine what that spear must have felt like like looking up and people don't realize how high that is not just for like not just for for Jeff taking it but for you as well to jump off and, and fully commit knowing how those are like at, I'll just say now at, everyone thinks it's mental but it's even more mental <laughs> Ser- seriously well, big big tops it's one of those deals where you, you do, you see it so much that you almost become desensitized to it. And a fan had sent me a picture of an alternate, you know, uh, angle that they had from the audience. And I posted it on my Instagram and the feedback I got was like, Oh my God, that is ridiculous. And it really, that, that other angle shows, I think kind of the, the actual, height of what it was and and or the actual kind of like margin again of of error that went into that that the the razor wire that we were walking um that angle showed it and i think that angle gave people a different like they're so used to that one angle. So it's like, okay, yeah, we've seen that a million times, but you see it from this different angle and it really shows the height of it and just kind of where Jeff and I had to be mentally, which was just not think about it, just do it. Did either of you like before, did he go up and hang on and I get a feel for it? And then did you climb up the ladder and have a look? Or was it one of those wrestling moments where you just go, no, nah, it'll be fine. We can do that. It'll be good. What? The only thing we did is I did go up and just see what rung I needed to be on. So, because if I go a rung too high, now I hit too high. Now I'm clotheslining him. Now he's going to land horribly. And so, you know, he, he hung to make sure he could. And we had to at least get the swinging motion. But we never did it. It was just, this is, we'll be able to get it. I just need to see what rung I need to be on to hit him where I need to hit him to be able to, you know, try and protect him. And, um, and that was it. The rest is just like, okay, we got that. Let's go. And, and <laughs> just, just do it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Love it. So you talk, like you said about the kind of like getting your feet firmly in the, in the title picture out of the, out of the 11 uh, world title runs, like which one 
was your favorite? Which is the one that you like felt that you'd really hit your stride? Um, it, it's it's probably when when Taker and I were um, were involved in our storyline, which which ended up all told, I think, being like a year and a half long. Um, that to me was was a lot of fun. You know that that one. You know, it was, uh, you know, there was Batista and there was Undertaker and, and there was Ray. And that that was a really fun experience because at that point, you know, it was Vicky and I and we were, you know, kind of the centerpiece of the show. And, you know, I remember one show, I think, in a two hour Smackdown and I was on the show for like an hour and 15 minutes. That That's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And, I love that though. That I want that. You know, g- give give me an hour and fifty minutes. You know, I I, I want to, you know, do whatever I I can out there and and try and be counted on to help pull the cart. And that's what you should want if you get into this. You should want to be one of the generals. You should want be one of the 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 workhorses pulling the cart. And that's how I looked at that. So that that was a lot of fun for me as um this kind of dastardly maniacal evil heel who could you know go into a hell in a cell with with the undertaker but who could also go and get a facial and his nails done with vicky guerrero (laughs) (laughs) and 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 do a teeter-totter and this you know i mean just absolute ridiculousness um that was a lot of fun you know and then near the end of the the feud with undertaker um, we had done the, the TLC match where he was banished from the WWE, right? So from that point forward, I was the only character involved in the angle that was on the show. And that was a huge challenge because it's like, okay, how do we do, how do we continue this when one of the players isn't on the show? Now, luckily Undertaker's character has that aura. So, so it's much more manageable, but it's still a huge challenge. And that, that was really fun. You know, because it, um, yeah, again, just a different challenge where you have to try and, and do some things that, that aren't necessarily in the formula of your classic wrestling angle. Um, and again, I, I, I love stuff like that. I love those challenges and everything. And then, you know, years later, I didn't even realize until someone told me that we were the first guys to main event WrestleMania and SummerSlam in the same year. Oh. So, yeah, right. I wouldn't even put it together until like, I don't know, Twitter, somebody tweeted me or something. And I went, well, damn, I did not know that. That's pretty cool. You know, that that's a nice, nice feather in the cap that I didn't realize. I was convinced, uh, again, I was, conv- I was like, right. He's undefeated mania. I was like, if it, I can't see him putting the, the belt on taker. I was like, he's taking the streak. He's it. I was, I was hundred percent convinced again. I was, a, it was a great, again, for somebody at this point, then I was, I, I can't even think how old I would have been, but, um, again, I was somebody who was starting to figure out wrestling and kind of, you know, thinking he knew all the pieces and like, yep, definitely makes sense. He's, he's going to continue the streak. What a great way to transition it. So yeah, I was hook, line and sinker in that, in that storyline. Well, and, and with that match at mania, I really just tried to bring to the table that if I would have a counter for every counter. So every one of his moves I had a counter for. And then if he figured out the counter to my counter, I had another counter. I really wanted that to be like, Oh man, he's just, he studied Taker too much, man. They, he's just got his number. He's got him figured out. We, can he do this thing? And 
and then to use the the hell's gate at the end which i don't think anyone saw coming which is kind of what we we wanted like okay last ride didn't work tombstone didn't work chokeslam didn't work well so what's it gonna be oh crap i didn't see that one coming so that that was kind of the mindset in that one um which was so much fun to play out um you spoke about in the doc- documentary about stepping away and kind of saying like after you did step away you like you you didn't watch um did you like actively try not to watch because it was too hard or was it just like a conscious decision? Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to distance myself away from this now because I need to kind of go on to Pasha's green. And I can't have this keep pulling me back. That, that It was just, I can't do it. And if I can't do it, I don't think I can be close to it. I don't think I can become a producer. I don't think I can become a writer. I, I just, if I can't be in there doing it, it feels like too much of a loss. And if I just move away from it, then it, maybe it won't be as hard. And luckily, acting fell in my lap. And then I realized, wait, hold on, there's this other creative outlet. And it, it helped fill the gap of what wrestling gave me. Um, and I've always said, it's, I even said it in the documentary, it's, it's the same tree, it's just different branches. So you're still getting to flex those creative muscles. You're still getting to do all of these things is is it different yeah is there similar elements yeah so it it i got again producers for the show haven saw my retirement speech they were crying they'd never watched wrestling they wanted a tie-in let's get that guy and you know one episode turned into 42 and then before you know it i'm like oh crap i think i'm an actor now (laughs) and as i started enjoying it then i started taking classes then i started diving in the way i used to with wrestling and peeling apart you know choices that characters would make in tv shows and actors choices that actors would make the same way i used to you know dissect bret hart matches and go okay whoa whoa, look at what he did there or just all of those tiny little things and i started to find that kind of enjoyment um i think i just needed to be apart from it for for a little bit and there was also that that element of, well, you can come back. You can come back. We know you can come back. That that always kind of stuck with me. It was a compliment because that meant people wanted me to come back. But at that point, there was no possibility of it. That's just, they were they told me, that's it. You are done. So I had to wrap my mind around that because if I didn't, man, it was, it was going to be unhealthy. So I, I did. I just think it was part conscious i think it was part gut it was just i I had to separate myself from it and just move on because if i sat there dwelling it's like it's like the girlfriend who breaks up with you you can't sit there pining it's just it's not healthy for anybody and that's what it was for me you know it, it i had to i had to move past it and move along and come to terms with it and get closure with it and I, I did. I got there. And through acting, I was able to get there, I think. And then that made it possible to come back and w- with the ENC show, you know, dip my toes back in and go, okay, I did miss this. I do like this. I can do this without actually being in there. But I needed those few years just to not watch it. I didn't watch it. Like, I had no clue what was going on. So then there was some catch up when I came back and I realized, you know, some of these great talents that had come in and then it, then it got exciting because I felt almost like a fan all over again, where I was discovering all of these new talents that had been, you know, blazing a trail while I was gone. 
like you talk about like kind of being away for so long, like and you got you got to admit as well, not not looking at it for so long. The landscape in wrestling changes so quickly from month to month, let alone year to year. Um, you're someone as well, like you said, uh, with Heyman that kind of really benefited from the the brand split. So like, how would you look at trying to stand out now, considering there's so many brands, there's like so much wrestling. Some of the, it's like some of the fans would even say there's like maybe an oversaturation of wrestling as well when you include the independents. Like, how would you go about standing out now if if you were if you like pick straight up from in your prime and just dropped into now? How would you go about standing out? Have a firm understanding of what my character is, and and try to bring those elements to everything you do. So for me, I I think of I think of characters from movies or TV shows that have really landed with me and why. So, you know, for instance, I've said this, this incarnation of edge has elements of Rocky Balboa from the movie, Rocky Balboa, where he's trying to make that comeback. It has elements of Logan, Hugh Jackman, you know, as Logan, it has elements of Jonathan Banks who plays Mike and better call Saul. Those are, are kind of templates for things that I want to try and bring to to the character now. And I think if, if you have a a fairly firm sense of what your character is, then you can inject that into every promo you can. And as long as you have that thread throughout, I think you're going to be okay. I think now there's so much, there's so much movement. There's so much that's thrown away and just, by the time the next spot rolls along, you forgot this fantastic thing that just happened. And I think if you, if now, if you were to slow down and properly sell, you will stand out. I think a guy like Velveteen Dream, who has a firm handle on his character, he stands out because he's got it figured out and he's so damn young. And I, I see that and I go, okay, right. Yeah, I see a guy like Randy Orton and and he's had it figured out for a long time. But to me, the most naturally gifted person in the industry. And I look at the, you know, for instance, if you're watching Survivor Series this year, to me, there is two massive reactions. Ray 619ing Brock. When Brock takes any heat, it gets a massive reaction because he knows exactly when to do it. In in terms of selling, he's a genius. I watched the elimination tag team match. Randy Orton got schoolboyed by Matt Riddle. Massive reaction for a schoolboy. Well, let's just let that sink in. It wasn't a 450. It wasn't a shooting star. It wasn't a, a something or other on the floor followed by, you know, uh, dueling super kicks and clotheslines, no selling Japanese strong style. And I use air quote, quotes. <laughs> no, it, it was a schoolboy it can still be done if it's done right and you will stand out because of it. You, uh, you mentioned Randy being the most gifted uh, athlete on the roster, whatever. Um, let's, let's talk about that comeback then. Was it like, first off, before we, we get into the match with Randy, we talk about that return, the image, uh, uh, the image of you coming out through the smoke with, with, with tears in your eyes, you came, the music hit and it was that moment of, and again, Goosebumps just talking about it. It's, it was that moment of, no, it can't be. And then you walk 
you walk through the smoke and the look in your eyes just a picture tells a thousand words if you could try even for a second to put that that little bit into into words how would you describe that uh truly truly like a dream sequence where you hear everything but it's all just fuzz at the same time and and i know that doesn't fully explain it like you're getting hit with all of that emotion and you understand it's happening but it's almost like you're outside your body it's almost like i'm with you guys watching it if that makes any sense because to be at the center of that is so overwhelming and so humbling and so uh, you're, you're hyper aware but you're almost removed because it, it's just too much to comprehend and handle I, I i don't i can't fully put a finger on it you know there's the last nine years just come blasting through your gray man, matter and you're just like okay this this is happening like i i this is what i pictured this is what I visualized, but now it's manifesting. And, and I believe that you can do that. If, if you think about it enough and you, and you, you put that time in to, to picturing this thing and putting the work in to making that, that picture, you, you can manifest it. And so there, there's a lot of things going on. It's the realization of like, okay, this is now manifesting. This is, this is happening. I am here. Um, once once I got that out of my system and, and the shock of it all, because I'm just as shocked as the fans are, I think like, (laughs) wait, this is happening. Like we're all in this feeling together because I'm feeling it too. Uh, That when I, when I stopped to hit the pyro, that's when edge clicked in. So it it went, it was Adam Copeland up until there. (laughs) And, and you saw, you, you very rarely see Adam Copeland out there. I've always said Edge is a character. And and I turned that character on when I walked through the curtain. That was a moment where you got Adam Copeland up until I stopped. Then Edge kicked in. And I realized I got to get Edge in here, man. Because I got I to gotta get in and go for the first time in nine years. And I got to show I can go. I got to show myself I can go. But I got to show everybody in this audience. I got to show everybody in the ring. I got to show everybody in the back. Oh damn, he he's not just here for the rumble. Like, this is more than that. And to me, this whole thing, man, it all starts with that. If I come back and if I if I'm not looking the way I needed to, and if, if I'm not dialed in physically, and then I, I don't have that crispness and that intensity in the ring, then it's not quite as special. Then it's like, ah, okay, well, that, that, that was fine. But if you can dial all of those things and have that confidence going into it and just like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to crush this. And that was really, once I stopped, hit that, I was like, okay, time to crush. Was, uh, was Randy always the plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was um, that your fault? Yep. I, uh, when I went and met with, uh, met with everyone, I said, here's my plan. And, uh, it was immediately agreed to. Um, I just, I, it had to be Randy. I, I, this is the ultimate compliment. After nine years off, I trusted no one else to be in there with like I do Randy. Uh, I, I know what him and I have 
when we're in there together. Again, it's that intangible thing that two performers can have together. And we've had it from the very first time that we touched. And I, I just, I knew all we have to do is it can, all of this can start with, they work together. Edge turns his back for a second. Orton tries to pounce. Edge catches him. That's it. That's the basis of the storyline. Then we can take it from there. And now we can thread in real things that have happened between us. And once we start doing that, man, all bets are off. Now you think that and, and you write it out and go, right. Okay. This, this should play perfectly. You don't know until the next night in San Antonio or, or even that night when we, we just stopped and looked at each other and I felt it. I was like, Oh, okay. People are in on this. Cool. We got him. We got him. This is exactly what I thought it would be. Okay. Awesome. But the next night, to hear people literally screaming as he was attacking me. Well, now it's gone to somewhere I wasn't even expecting. Okay. Awesome. We, man, here we go. And, and I know, you know, for Randy to be able to have something like that to invest in and sink his teeth into, gosh, I mean, now, now you got me who's coming back as edge more motivated than I've ever been. And now you have Randy Orton motivated and, and a, a motivated Randy Orton is a, is a special, special thing. So I, I just knew, I knew it could be that. And, um, to me, there was, there was no other choice. We'll get into kind of like how things change a little bit in a second yeah, exactly. with, the, with the, with the situation. But like, um, one of my favorite bits was again, after the attack, you're getting wheeled out on the, the stretcher. And I do believe it's it's Ray, right? Ray's next to you on yeah. the yeah. Yeah. You, and you turn and you say, "I'm scared, Ray. I'm scared." And it's such a lovely little nuance that like Dory are really good for. And now and again, they kind of lack that, that kind of layer there of like you kind of looking at someone who know you've had you've had tag team championship reigns with, and everyone knows he's one of your your good friends. And you turn and say, in a in a real after coming from like the highest high and looking in, in complete vulnerability and saying, "I'm scared, man. I'm scared." Like it was such. It took everything to another level. It really just made you despise Randy. It sucks you fully in. Absolutely great. Well, one of the things that I, I want to try and bring from my acting experience is little things like that. Um, because one thing that, that wrestling characters tend to have a problem doing is showing vulnerability. Because it's so alpha-oriented. But if you can show vulnerability, man... Now, now you take things somewhere else. And, you know, before we we're about to film that, I said, we need daddy. We need the, we need Hawkins Ryder. We need Ray and Hawkins and Ryder. I, I don't even think we're there. They had to like, go get them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, because I wanted for anybody who, who knows, knows. And I know that there's, there's a segment of fans out there are going to look for those little details and, I, I just, I thought they needed to be there and Ray would be the guy that I would say that to, you know, and, um, so I, vulnerability, I think is, is something that I really want to try to bring to the table this time and that, uh, you know, a wrestling character can go through those things and does feel those things and it's okay to feel those things and let those things out. And, you know, at the end of the match this year with, with Randy, you know, just that to me is this guy who has 
battled back after nine years to try and get back to doing what he loves to do that was taken away from him and almost gets taken away from him again the next night. And then his family gets attacked and all of these things just, and now he's gone through this 40 minute fight with this guy who he still kind of loves in a way. And it all just, just it, the dam breaks. And wouldn't that happen to you if you truly went through that? I don't know of many people that, that wouldn't just kind of break down and lose it there. And that to me was just, it, it, it was kind of the culmination of like all of it. And like, this is happening. This has now happened. This is revenge. Do I want this revenge? Is this right? Is this wrong? And that confliction, that, that those conflicted emotions and, and, and bringing all of that to that moment to me, just, it just felt right. It wasn't contrived. It wasn't planned. It just happened. Um, but I think it was able to happen because of, of nine years of getting reps on sets against some serious beasts of <laughs> actors, you know, like I'm on Vikings and I'm, I'm sharing scenes with a guy like Gustav Skarsgård who plays Floki. And man, if your game isn't up, you are going to get buried. And, and I, I, I want to think I, I've, I took lessons from that that I want to try and bring to this. You talked about kind of like plans, and again, over the last two months, the, everybody's plans have completely changed because the world's changed. Uh, yeah. I think like the to go from coming out and being in that big arena and having it all soak in, and again the next night, then you're in those reactions, and they were deafening when Randy was attacking you. To then it being completely stripped away, and the time you came back, you were there in empty, you were there in the empty full sale doing doing raw. I think those promos, I think it added so much depth to those promos that you were, and everyone was kind of breaking the third wall and just speaking directly down the lens. Um, what was your thoughts on that? Well, right. It's a funny story. So I come out for the promo and I didn't have an, a plan. I just thought, okay, well, the, I had the idea of what I was going to say, but as they were playing the package back for the audience at home, I looked at our camera guy and I went, okay, I'm going to come right down the barrel. And he went, wait, what? I was like, yeah, I got to come down the barrel. He was like, well, okay. That's when it was decided <laughs> <laughs> that I needed to go straight down the barrel of the camera. Um, and then they all went down the straight barrel of the, barrel of the camera because it worked, you know? Um, and I like that. I, I like you, you, you're not going to speak to an audience that isn't there you know, in terms of the crowd and you can't play off of them. So what do you have to do? Okay. You got to treat this like a monologue. It's a theater monologue. Now it's, uh, it's almost like an audition, but directly to the camera. And by taking that mindset, it took a lot of the guesswork out. It's just like, okay, this is, this is how, this is where this needs to be delivered. Now, that being said, there's the happy medium. You can't deliver it all straight down the barrel because then that gets old and that gets, odd so you you have to just naturally find your beats of where you would collect yourself and and that's why it needs to sound conversational it can't be the days of that wrestling promo are gone with everything and with with tv shows being so well written so well performed so real now i don't see why there's any reason wrestling can't be and so looking down the barrel and and 
especially when when detailing real things within the storyline of, of a wrestling storyline, if you're detailing some real things, I think it, it can be that way. And um, that's been fun to really kind of watch watch back and, and see if it worked or not. Um, that being said, it'll be really nice to get in front of an audience again and do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're telling me. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I miss, I'm missing it bad, real. The, uh, when I watched the documentary, I'll tell you what really got me was when you're in there with Dash and you're rolling around and he goes, you work for it, work for it. And I'm like, oh, I miss rolling around with the boys. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> yeah, and you know, at that point, it really was like, like he didn't know any of that stuff until he saw the documentary. So, you know, he, he didn't know that I took a DVD. Like he didn't know any of those things. Oh, really? So he didn't, no, no, just wasn't anything I ever mentioned. It was just, you know, um, yeah, it just, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do a favor for someone and say, Hey, by the way, I did you this favor. It's just, I don't know. It's, you, that's not why you're doing the favor. You know what I mean? I'm not doing the favor to get a pat in the back. So, um, or not even a favor, just I, I'm doing something that I feel like this guy deserves because he's good and he deserves to be on yeah, the stage. So and he, you know, it, it's so it, it's not even a, like a favor. It's not like, it's just like, no, this guy deserves it. And I've had people do this for me. So you, that, that cliche, you pay it forward. You, you just do it, especially if somebody's deserving of it. So, and that, that was very true. It, it suddenly became this thing where it's like, okay, he's helping me now discover whether I can do this. Can I keep up to a guy who's got a really good gas tank? And that, that was kind of, a, that was a very pivotal point in all of this to go, because well, I, I also got in there with Dawson quite a bit too. It just, we didn't have cameras that day. So the fact that I could get in with both of them and keep up, and my wind was fine and all of those things that that was a huge eye opener. And that's when it started to become real. Talking about kind of him watching it back. Have you uh, you've watched back you and uh, Randy now in full, right? Yeah. You uh, you happy with everything and how it came off? I am really happy with it. I'm, I'm really happy with it because it ended up being entirely different than the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse. And I think those were the ones that could have felt similar. And I think they were, they, they could have been very similar if our original plans had been able to materialize. So I'm actually happy that we, we had some restrictions fall in our lap that we weren't expecting in terms of time of day when we were filming it wouldn't, wouldn't correlate with when they would air on the show. So we can't go outside now. I had ideas to go on the roof and drones and all of these things. And well, that can't work because sunset isn't until seven 42. We start filming this thing at six. Ah. Okay. So now what do we do? So day of everything changes again, massive challenge. Cool. Everything changes. Let's see. What do we got here? <laughs> and you start, you know, okay. We had like four beats. The rest we'll just figure out. We'll just do. And do without saying two words to each other. That to me is something to be very proud of after nine years away in my first singles match to come back and be able to put in 40 minutes and to do it without uttering a single word. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Damn right. I'm proud of that. I think somebody said, uh, and I, I haven't checked this, so I could be wrong, but I think somebody said it's the longest WrestleMania match outside of the Ironman match. 
yeah and and for me man after nine years off to be able to like because who knows right after nine years first singles match back i i don't i mean i i knew that i'd done a lot of work so you you hope you're in that but that kind of shape but you, you don't know and then when it was done and i was really sore and you know getting ready someone was like this is 42 minutes long i was like what <laughs> had no idea it was just in it you know it was just in it and just feeling it and just doing what you should do when you're in a wrestling match feeling it and and not worrying about what's next you have to be in the moment and just like when you come out at wrestlemania soak it in i come out at royal rumble soak it in be in that moment rather than worrying about you know kind of the next thing because now it starts to become a dance this thing had to look like a fight it had it wasn't a last man standing match it needed to be a last man standing fight between two guys that know each other really well there's not gonna be a lot of wrestling moves there shouldn't be it should just be a fight and i think that's what we presented and I, I'm, I'm really happy with that and and then to find out my first match back after nine years i went 40 minutes it's like oh damn okay right give me an iron man match with daniel bryan let's go <laughs> <laughs> um you talk about kind of like being submerged in it uh go ask really haven't you like you know yourself that some of those big bumps that you did do in the match, definitely a crowd reaction definitely makes everything easier. Did you feel some of them a lot more because there was no reaction from the crowd? Uh, more so after. Um, I mean, it did definitely. Like, hey, I've said it, there's not going to be as much risk-taking. And, and there's really not. If there is, I'm going to make sure it means something. So if you look in that match, there's probably like four things where it was like, ooh, yeesh, you know. Um, but it's WrestleMania. And it's this huge story to me that warrants those things um should that be done on raw every week no and and i think uh, our audience has become desensitized and i think our tlc matches are part of the reason that they become desensitized and i'd like to try and and rewind that back a little bit to where i watch terry funk and nick bockwinkle and the finite intricacies and details or i watch bret hart and steve austin in the submission submission match and just just the little things that, are, that that are doing that stand out that much more because it's not a million things to digest it's just good storytelling and um that being said there was a couple of things i felt I, I really felt that elbow drop on the table that that one that one stuck with me for about a week and a half <laughs> is, that the, is that the one from the hanging from the roof uh yeah for, which was probably like what a two foot drop oh, that but table's sturdy man I've been that, in that table in that man <laughs> nobody will appreciate how hard that table is like you got a 240 pound guy dropping an elbow on it and it does just doesn't budge and randy's on it too randy's not a small guy either randy's 250 so you you, you got like a significant amount of weight and it just, yeah, we got this all day. You could put Big Show and Mark Henry on this, and it ain't going to budge. <laughs> it's that table. So I landed, and I went, oh, my God. Oh, that's going to, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was the one. I got home and self-quarantined for a couple of weeks. That was the one that caused me to not sleep very well for the first week and a half. My, my thought process then is, like, like, the ref going, are you okay? And I've had it before where you just turn and go, yeah, that sucked. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> or no. <laughs> oh, give me a second. A give me a second. Give me a second. 
<laughs> the reaction you saw is pretty much the reaction it warranted. Ugh. So, uh, so with that done, what's what's next? I don't know. I don't know. And how exciting is that? You know, I, I can look at the entire roster, and there's just so much fun there to be had, and and so much teaching there to do, and that to me is massive because I can look back and I I can look at all of these giant talents within the industry who have helped me over the years, you know, whether it's beginning my training with sweet daddy seeking Ron Hutchison two like unheralded heroes for me. And then, you know, Johnny Smith out in Calgary and then Bret Hart and then Dory Funk and Tom Pritchard and Pat Patterson. And, and then to get in the ring with Jerry Lawler in Memphis and Terry Funk at in ECW and, you know, Jim Duggan and Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And, and then to guys that really, I, I felt like we became peers with Shawn Michaels and, and Undertaker. And I've been, I've been so lucky. If there's a massive talent over the last 20 years, I've been in there with them. And, and even from prior to that, because they were still plugging away with the Ricks and the Jerry's and Terry's. So I, I want to be able to get in with this new crop of talent and the way I can truly show someone is to be in there with them, to show them what it can be and, and, and the art of listening. And, and that again, a cliche less is more, but it is so true. It, it can be so true. So, so true. When you block out all the noise and you block out the pessimists and you block out star ratings for art, come on, get rid of all that. Kick it all aside. Just be in this right now. Feel this right now. And if you're in there with me, I'm going to give you no choice but to feel what is happening right now. And I want to, I want to, that's exciting to me, man. I look at all the rosters and I just go, right. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. That that's fun to me. What's what's next next? I don't know. Um it it's the sky's the limit, really. As long as I can come back and and try and tell compelling stories with layers to them. Or or even if they don't start with layers, you build the layers. You know, it can start simple. Uh, the Royal Rumble, that's where this thing started with Randy, but there was loads of history behind it. I, I think that can happen with someone who I've never touched before, and that's fun. Then it's the challenge of creating something that people get invested in. That's what I want to try and do. Also help teach, try to, you know, that, again, cliche, give back. Um, and then at the end of it all, just truly know it's my last match not be shocked by that a week later and go, Oh, wow. That was it. Huh? Hmm. I I want, I want to know going in. So all of it can be there. All of the emotion that comes with that, all of the, the true emotion that comes with that. Um, because then I think the story you can tell is, is written on edges face. That to me is, is that's how it has to end. And I, I, I think that will be very, very special. And I, I look as a, as a performer, I look to that and go, okay, that's, that's how I want to end this whole thing and, and, and do it right. How I usually like to uh, finish these up is um, if you could go back and give your younger self 
any advice. So if you could literally time travel, go straight back and give your younger self any advice, what would that advice be? Soak it all in. Soak it all in every aspect. And I think to a large degree I did. I, I, I truly feel like I did. I, I tried not to look past it or take it for granted because it's all I ever wanted to do. And I understood throughout that this was pretty special. Uh, but there's always, you can always soak it in even more. Um, I wouldn't take any of the decisions back because they got me to where I am now. And I truly feel like I am the luckiest man in the world. I, I really do. I, I sit here sometimes and I, I just go, how did all of this happen? How did I find myself in a place where I have this amazing family? I, I have the, the home of my dreams in, in a locale of my dreams and I, I still get to act and pursue this other thing that I've fallen in love with all while being able to come back after nine years and do something that has never, ever happened before. This scenario, triple fusion, nine years after the fact, uh, to get that moment at the rumble, like it's all storybook stuff, man. And there, there's moments where I just have to stop and go, man, that, that has all happened. How has that all happened? Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I'm so, I'm just, I'm lucky. And, and yeah, there's work and there's all of those things. And if you're a recurring theme, you're doing something right. But I still just go, man, how can all that happen to one dude? Like who, who did I, who in a prior life did I, you know, become buddies with that is, that is helping this through? <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? Like, Beth says it's my mom up there pulling strings for me. I, I don't know. But uh, I, I, I just, I I'm, I'm really am savoring all of this and just trying to sit in it and enjoy it because it won't last forever. It'll be the next thing and, and I'll enjoy that as well and I'll savor that as well. But I know, I know how special this is. And to be a part of it is just so, so much fun. It really is. It's just fun. Man. Again, I think that just that sums everything up. I think, again, usually when I do these podcasts, there is a running theme. And again, I think with you, it is all about kind of saving those moments and kind of coming full circle and just enjoying it because you never know, as you said, when it's going to be taken away. You never know. A, I'm, so- I'm, I'm, I'm proof positive of that. And I speak from experience. So if, if I can tell anyone one thing, it's just live in this moment, live in the present tense. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. You got to know they're there. Sure. But sit in right now because the past got you to here. And uh, it, it's, it's very important. And I try to keep that a, a, a motto that I stick to throughout life. Uh, with, with that being said, mate, I just really want to say thank you for, for lending me uh, your time as well. Because again, as we spoke about before, you are very busy with the girls and with the family and everything else as well. So it does really mean the world to me that you were able to sit down and if we are going to talk about living in the moment, um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a story. So when we were, uh, when me and my brother got super into wrestling, convinced my mum to uh, to get Sky Sports so we could watch the wrestling, she hated it, absolutely despised it. She uh, <laughs> ab- absolutely hated the fact that I do it. And, and until I got signed for the WWE, she would tell everyone, oh yeah, he's, he's teaching. Even when I'd stopped teaching, I was independent wrestler and making a full-time living, I was still a teacher in her eyes. And so I <laughs> but the one thing, right, she would, she would go, oh, this wrestling, this wrestling's on. The only thing she would be quiet for and she wouldn't complain about is when you were on the screen. She really? loved Edge. Seriously, man, she loved Edge. She was a big Edge fan. And when you went through the, the heel turn, she was like, oh, she, she was in. She was all in. I've got this wonderful story. 
about her with William Regal. Regal messaged me uh, after I got hurt with the Cruiserweight Classic. And I told my mum, like, William Regal's reached out to me. And she looked at me and she went, that's great, Trent. But be careful. You know he's a dirty player with those brass knucks. She's totally <laughs> in. The woman's totally in. She loves it. But with you... <laughs> she, she, she never let him off the hook after that. Okay, never. I like it. I like it. Never. You can't but trust him, man. But with you, it was the complete opposite. You would have the, the total run of being a heel. And then when you would turn back and be a face, you'd go, oh, I knew he was a good guy deep down. <laughs> so you would get So again, talk about living in the moment. It is one of those things where, again, I we sat there, me and my brother watching uh, watching Raw, watching SmackDown, with my mum who absolutely despised it. But you were the only thing that really kept her quiet during those two-hour shows. So, again, well, bless her heart. Tell her thank you very much. Give her a hug for me. I will do. I will do. I'm going to sort, again, I'm going to soak that in. But yeah, I just want to say a big thanks and a, a big thanks for everything you've kind of done as well because again when we bumped into you at wrestlemania we had a lovely conversation about uh weezer and stuff like that for like an hour <laughs> yeah, which was great me and mark andrews had to pinch ourselves that was such a good night well good man i it's uh i i tell everyone you know i'll i'll, I'll give my phone number to anybody you know if, if they ever want to pick my brain i'm here like i said it might take me a couple minutes <laughs> I, might, I might have to, you know, feed the girls or, or do something, but I'll get back to them. And I still have to get back to you because I uh, I told you I would watch a certain match and I'm still going to. I haven't forgotten it. It's going to happen. <laughs> I appreciate it. I really do. I'm, I'm really, big, big thanks. Big thanks. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is fun. Appreciate it. All right. See you, buddy. Bye, man. How good was that? What did I say? I told you, didn't I, that, you know, really nice interview. It's real raw, real open. He's real honest about stuff. And, like, it was a full retrospect of his career. And I feel we got some real good exclusives in there as well along the way, kind of talking about the whole build-up with him and Randy. And we talked about that match and, like, what's next. That was such a lovely bit as well. What's next? And um, I did have to get in as well, you know. He says at the end, you know, soak it all in. Soak it all in. And it is easy, it is easy, especially myself as well, to kind of like, you're kind of fixated on what's next in wrestling. Where am I going? What am I doing? And sometimes you do forget to enjoy the moment. You do forget to kind of like soak it all in. And as somebody who is from a small Welsh town where nobody gets out, everyone stays there, and kind of a lot of my friends, uh, when I speak about what I'm doing at the moment, still is in awe of what's happening. Like, sometimes I forget to soak it all in. And I forget to kind of like, really enjoy it so I made sure that when he said that at the end I had to drop that little story in about my mum and how he's my mum's favourite wrestler and how uh, when I really thought about it it was a bit crazy that me uh, Welsh lad from the valleys uh, was sat there recording a podcast with Edge when 15 years ago I was sat in my front room with my mum and my brother watching him on Monday Night Raw and Smackdown so yeah crazy so just you know soaking it in and as I said to you, I felt like it was a real great conversation. He was real open. He was real honest. And he even said off the podcast as well that there was a good there was good chemistry. We had good chemistry. First time we really chatted in that sort of environment, just me and him one-on-one. As I said, we had met at WrestleMania before, me and him and Mark Andrews and a few others. In a room full of his peers and his friends at WrestleMania, he gave us about an hour and, and just stood. And we talked about Weezer. We talked about music. We talked about everything. We talked about nonsense for an hour. But it was it was really, really cool. And uh, it just puts across how much of a nice guy he is, how cool he is, and how much he absolutely adores this business. And I think that that comes through more than anything, how much he absolutely loves this business. 
So yeah, big thanks Edge for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And I hope as well, you know, in a year or two years time, me and you can sit down again, one-on-one, face-to-face this time, and we can knock out another one of these. It'd be absolutely fantastic. As I said, um, if you're uh, new to the podcast, which I understand a lot of you might be because of the guest, then please rate, subscribe, review, uh, you know, tweet me at me, um, Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. I'm on Instagram at Flash Morgan Webster. So maybe, you know, screenshot, chuck this in your uh, in your stories, tag me in it. I'd love to share that stuff out. Uh, or if you, uh, when this is all over and you want to book me for a seminar, sign in, uh, match or whatever because I'm still doing some of the indies too um, I'm flashmorgan at live.co.uk so maybe book me and Mark on some cool stuff we'd love to come and do it so yeah definitely go and do that but yeah if you are new to the podcast it's been a hundred episodes I've had so many people up and down I have Will Osprey in the back catalogue um, I'm no doubt I'm going to try to get him back on again I have some great ones coming up but yeah Will Osprey's been on Tyler Bates been on Pete Dunn Mark Andrews Tony Storm like Mike Quackenbush, it really is a who's who of uh, British wrestlers and worldwide independent wrestlers. And hopefully this Edge one's the start of me getting on uh, some bigger, bigger guests. So uh, who knows? But yeah, if you have enjoyed this episode with Edge, then please go back, check out what else I'm doing, what else I've done, and uh, subscribe because who knows, next week's guest could be uh, could be one of your favourites too. But yeah, really, really would appreciate that. Rate, subscribe, review iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Big, big love. Um, yeah, I guess that really does sum it up. Um, I have a, one or two guests um, kind of lined up. Um, should be getting these done this week. Um, two of them are, if I get both of them, it'd be absolutely great. The next two weeks should be absolutely fantastic. I'm going to sit down well. Um, yeah, the gatherings should be absolutely great. And uh, I think it's... Uh, you're a new listener you're in for a treat and if you're somebody who's been with me all the way through then you're probably going to think that hey we've hit episode 100 and these uh the podcast is still going strong this podcast is keep going up and the best thing about episode 100 i did say in my earlier episodes that uh if i've had somebody on the podcast before i was going to try to to stay to not repeating a guest until i'd hit episode 100 and i've done that now it's been uh, two years, three years in some retrospect with some people since they've been on the podcast. A lot of things happen in the space of a few months, let alone three years. So I'm definitely excited to get some of those old guests back on and see what's uh, crack-a-lacking with them and uh, see how kind of world of professional wrestling has been because it's been a great ride for a lot of my friends in the last couple of years. And uh, I know that I'm very excited to uh, to sit down and chat about their accomplishments and uh, their struggles and everything else in between and uh, hopefully if you're a new fan or if you're an old fan you'll come along with me for that ride uh, all that's left to say I guess is I hope everyone's staying safe I hope everyone is looking out for each other um, you know trying to keep social distancing hopefully this will be over sooner rather than later and I hope that for the, la- the last hour hour and a half that myself and Edge have been able to take your mind off things all that's left to say is uh, I'm Flash Morgan Webster it's always a pleasure always a treasure and bye Thanks for stopping by. Stay safe, people. Big love.